امشب را جان من تا صبح فردا می بریز پس می بریز تا فراموشم شود یک لحظه در دامی بریز Hello my fellow Brapintonians and welcome to Brap Talk. This is a weekly podcast where we discuss the happenings of the motorcycle industry. I am your host, Jensen Bueller of Asphalt and Rubber. Fur, fur, fur. And joining me on this two-wheeled adventure is my jubilee of jambalaya, <laughs> Mr. Shaheen Alvadi. Speaking of chili, I'll be your spicy sauce. <laughs> We just we just discussed before the show how I can't eat chili sauce anymore, Shane. That's you know that's the thing with getting older, Jensen. You just turned thirty seven, and your body's like, "Hey, we're done." My changing body it's um, it's throwing some curveballs at me. I'm, I'm a little bit older now. I'm a little bit wiser. I'm a little bit tanner. I like you are a little bit tanner. I'm a little Look upset you. that you haven't complimented my well, beautiful you've tan. Been covered. That's I mean, true. I that's open true. I open well, you opened the door to <laughs> in a very sexy velvet blue robe. I don't think that's it's fleece. It's fleece. Like a, I wanted to touch of others. It's velvet. It's beautiful. <laughs> it doesn't look like it shapes at all. <laughs> it looks so soft. It touches your body in just the right way. Yes, you caught me in the shower. I caught you in the shower, but you came down and opened. It's funny because I was like, I bet the door's open. And just <laughs> went to open the door and walked into it. Every damn time. Every time. We really haven't gotten that part. We'll get our rhythm. Our, it's, we're um, only on show number 20. What is this? 24. Five? 24. Is it 24? Yeah. Unless we deleted a show I don't know about. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I thought it was 25. <laughs> secret show. Ooh, secret show. We should do one. Just we put should. it out without telling anyone. Just in a, another like SoundCloud podcast. <laughs> it's like an Easter egg. You find the secret show. In Soviet Russia, Brap Talk You. Yeah, Brap Talk we'll Podcast talk brap. You. Yeah. In your old mountains. A lot's happened since I've seen you last. My God, I need, like I was joking, like, what are we going to talk about today? And it's like, man, there is so yeah. much. You vacated in yeah. Bali? Yeah, I took a vacation. It was great. How come Bali? vacationing isn't vacating? Vacationing. You're like vacating your life? Yeah, because like when right? you vacate, usually it's like some kind of a... It's never good. Poop. So you see, it's like a, like a bad va- way of saying someone died. Yeah, um, he vacated again. Oh, he vacated <laughs> off the face of this earth. Did you vacate to Bali? Uh, yeah, it sounds terrible. Don't, please. Yeah, Bali's really far away. Yeah, how long was that flight? Um, so I had a 12-hour layover in China, which which was insane. What? <laughs> it's just, I, I'm a firm believer you can't say you've been to a country if you haven't left the airport. Did you leave the airport? No. 12 no, hours? I can't. I, by law, cannot oh, leave shit, that's right. the I saw airport that movie. I don't have the the proper visa. And what like, was that you, Tom Hanks movie where he was stuck in the airport for like a year? Yeah. The, um, airport? Terminal. Yeah. Terminal. Terminal. <laughs> and then he had like this whole thing with Catherine Zena-Jones and it turns out she's a bitch and you're just like, oh. She's a bitch. That's, like, that's the lover. only plot twist in that movie. What? The Catherine Zena-Jones is a bitch? Or yeah. <laughs> she's fucking cheating on her husband. <sighs> Wait, no. I thought it was her boyfriend. No, she's cheating on... I haven't seen that movie since it came out. She's... Mm, I might have to apologize to Kathleen Dean Jones. What's her deal? She was, like, dating a guy who's cheating on his wife, but, like, she's cheating on Oh, yeah. She Tom wasn't Hanks. married. I think they ended up getting, like... Uh, what's the word when you put a ring on someone's finger? Engaged. Engaged. I was going to say fiancéed. Um, ESL's the best. I, I don't remember. remember. I can't remember. All right, listen. Just, if you've my, seen the movie, you tell my us. My takeaway from that movie was I don't really understand... Tom Hanks as an Eastern European like immigrant 
and Catherine Zeta-Jones did not come out as clean as she was going in. <laughs> and the airport guy's a bit of a jerk. Like, yeah. he's just a schmuck of a he jerk. He was like, this is my place. You're in my house. You're, You're in my, my house world. For a year. So you could have been stuck in China's airport for a right. year. So China. So, yeah, I'm a believer. Like, like I, I've stopped over in the Osaka airport. Yeah. I have not been to Japan. That's that's my, like, rule. You don't break that barrier. You don't get the stamp in your passport, leave customs. Yeah. You haven't visited the country. I will put an asterisk on China, though. Is there a time limit now? If no. you've been in the airport for more than eight hours? No, but it's just, it's, I've been to a lot of airports around the world, and they're all kind of the same. Like you can you can go to the the airport in Istanbul, right. and it's not really that different from the airport in Paris, which isn't that different from Sydney, which isn't that different from Osaka or Bangkok. Not that different. China, though, hmm. is exactly what I imagine Soviet Russia would be like. <gasps> what? Because it's it's that weird thing where all the buildings are 50, 60, maybe seventy years old. But they haven't been maintained at all. Wait, I thought China's got all this brand new infrastructure. Oh, no. well, okay. It's not. I was in the Beijing airport. I wasn't okay. in Shanghai. Okay. wasn't Wasn't Hong Kong. I've been to the Hong Kong airport. Completely different experience. But it's got like there's sandbags and people with machine guns standing behind them. No, but not far from it. Oh, so so you get in and like. It's that like same kind of like like the paint's been kind of like worn off and no one's like repainted it and everything nothing Pulling like holes. nothing really works and like there's like this special line to go in for people that are just transferring right. plants. So I got in at like eight o'clock at night. Place is a ghost town. This is a major international airport. Place is a ghost town. I have to like go knock on like the pull up bureau's like door what to ask them to unlock the door. To let me go into the special immigration line for the people that are just passing through. Like, hey, you're just <laughs> you're just, just coming through, folks. You're just going somewhere else. And like that was like a whole thing. They don't speak any English. I took uh, Cantonese as a kid, which is the wrong fucking Chinese to speak. <laughs> Not that I remember a single word of it. I was going to ask you, do you, do you no, even know? Like, excuse no, me. I'm lost. No. Hungry. Nothing. Must go pee pee. Five years of my life Jesus. wasted. Not good with languages. Uh, nine years of French, barely can speak it. <laughs> Bad news bears. Get there. They they like they like you know do the thing and like scan my bag. I'm like the only one apparently that's not going to China on this flight. Oh, because no one else, no one else has to go through this immigration, which is like super strange. Just very very strange. I guess it's just not a big transfer airport. Um, get to this terminal where I'm supposed to spend the next twelve hours of my evening. Oh God, thinking like I'm gonna get into the Get some snacks. Yeah, like I'm like, oh, that's probably like a Burger King or something. something. I'll, I'll figure it out. PF Chang's or something. You're in China. The no, whole terminal's a ghost town. There's maybe 16 of us. Shit. And I just imagine someone sitting there like, I've been here for three months, man. No, literally, I, I would totally believe it. And there's just like this sea of chairs. There's maybe like 500 chairs. What the fuck? There's two uh, like karaoke booths that you can go into. Please tell me you went. Yo, I had 12 hours, Shaheen. I had 12 fucking hours in this airport. And let let me finish the story. You'll see. Of course (laughs) I went into the karaoke booth. Of course I did. For warmth. We're going to get to this. I went into the karaoke booth for warmth. Oh, geez. (laughs) So you get there. 
so like after like a while, like I, I, I like try and go into the lounge. I can't go into the lounge. I don't understand why I can't go into the lounge, but they're like China. And I'm like, okay, fine. Don't throw me somewhere. I don't want to be like, you can totally just disappear me. Find out the lounge is actually passing the international well, it's like line. A, it's like a weird thing where like, I'm on a Delta flight. I'm on, I'm on a Delta ticket, but I'm not on a Delta flight. And my next flight was with like this other airline. That's not technically a Delta partner, but is a Delta partner in China. It got weird. It just got weird. Um, that's not like a big issue. That's like a first world problem. And I'm definitely in a second world country, but <laughs> I go and there's like this bank of like 500 chairs and there's, there's no one, no one there. And I just sit down. I'm like, all right, I'm going to do some work. I'm gonna get on the Wi-Fi where I have to like surrender. Like my, I like put like my passport number in to get on the Wi-Fi. Oh, which was interesting. That interesting. I, I, well, I mean, I'm sure it is government controlled <laughs> internet. Instantly, nothing on my phone starts working. Like Whoa. Facebook stopped working. Whoa. WhatsApp stopped working. Wow. Websites wouldn't load. I couldn't get my email. Like I'm like, so I'm like, why am I on the Wi-Fi? <laughs> like this is this is stupid. <laughs> it doesn't work because like American phones, it we're we're our our freedom is too provocative. So I'm wow. trying to like I spent like an hour trying to figure this out and it, you know troubleshoot it and maybe I can find a you know VPN or something. And then, like, just, like, this, like, 80-year-old Chinese guy just sits down right next to me. Out of all that space. Out of all those chairs. Literally, strength 500 numbers, chairs. I counted. 500 <laughs> chairs. I had 12 hours, Shane. <laughs> the story ends with me in a karaoke booth for warmth. <laughs> Sound like the elder, elderly Chinese person wanted to give you some warmth. <laughs> sits right next to me. Just like, hey, buddy. And, like, and like just, like, sprawls out. Like, it's all this stuff. And I'm like... You couldn't do that somewhere else. So I'm texting my friend who lives in China and I'm like, how do you live here? How do you Help. deal with these people? <laughs> I'm like, I sent her a photo. I'm like, hey, here's me with like old man winter. Like <laughs> you can see like this sprawl of 500 chairs and then this old Chinese guy <laughs> and me just like taking a selfie together. And I'm like, yep, just sat right next to me. He's like, they're, they're an inclusive people. And I'm like, they're yeah, no, I'm kidding. Indeed. I'm glad that I'm one of the pod. I told you I was going to have a stranger give you a hug on your birthday. Yeah. <laughs> so I got, I got there around eight, around 10 o'clock. They shut off the heat. What? It is freezing cold in Beijing this time of year. Like, I mean, literally, it was like 30 degrees outside. And the building just not very well insulated. And it's just all windows. It's just all windows. So within like an hour or two, it's freezing cold. I am literally wearing what I was wearing. Yeah, because you terminal. were in an airplane and you went into a into a terminal. Like you're not expecting yeah. to be outside or anything. I'm like basically in a long sleeve t-shirt and jeans. I am freezing my ass off. Around like 3 a.m., I start like looking around for places to get warm. Cause I'm literally like shivering. Like I'm going to, I'm like, I'm going to die here. They're going to find me in the morning and I'm going to be frozen on the thing. Gen sickle. So like the banks of TVs that have all the, the gate numbers on right. it, those are pretty warm. So I, I spent like an hour, like just like standing next to those here with your hands. Just, out in front I literally, of the TV. No, I literally did that. I literally was warming <laughs> my hands on the TV. Cause like it was putting out like a solid, like 10 more degrees of the, what like, oh the God, ambience was amazing. So I'm like, Which oh, one yeah. of them had a U log on it, just so you'd be like, well, at least it looks like fire. Well, that's the thing. Like, only three out of the four screens work. Like, the other ones, like all. I thought like, you were gonna say they shut down the TVs too because everything else shut down. Like, mm -hmm. well, you're here for a while. No, and then like for some reason, like the airport got really busy at like two a.m., three a.m., something like that, and then and then like stopped again, and it was ghost town. And at that point, I was just like dying, and I realized as I'm like walking around, like, hey, they've got like these booths that are like these tiny karaoke booths and there's oh, like, it's not a bar it's a literal booth yes well how many people can go in this thing two what the that, there's like two stools you have two a personalized microphones. like 
it's like it's like going in the shower and singing. It's without it's, water. It's like an arcade, but like it's, but it's insulated, so you don't completely annoy everyone. Brilliant. It is, and they're so warm. They're oh, so man. warm because it's it's the only insulation in the entire building. Life hack, Jensen. Explain to people so if they go to the Beijing uh, airport. The Beijing airport. Karaoke booth is your friend yep. when they turn the heat off. <laughs> oh, so riding scooters in Indonesia. First of all, they drive on the other side of the road. Yep. Second of all, they're crazy people. <laughs> they will put anything and everything Wait, on a scooter. Wait, are they crazy people or is it because you're used to the Pacific Northwest uh, driving? That's so... Uh, oh, it's so like... <clears throat> my girlfriend's a, a native Pacific Northwesterner. She is not a good driver. <laughs> Is not like the Subaru stereo, the Subaru driver stereotype, slow brew, where they are just like in their own little world driving. That that is one hundred percent her, and I have no problem saying it because I say it to her every time we get in the car. I drive, um, so she was she was not happy with the driving situation. <laughs> that was not a good a good thing, and she was on the back of the scooter, and she was not terribly happy with being on the back of the scooter because it was just. You Did you what? offer to let her ride it and you'll be on the back? No, no, no. It, was, it wasn't that like she didn't like being on the back. She didn't like being in traffic. <laughs> <laughs> she just, wrong place, wrong time, wrong everything. Right. And and we weren't on the island of Bali. We were actually on one of the islands off of it, uh-huh. um, Nusa Shinigan, which is just like super rural. It's like the roads aren't real roads. You're just like there was one thing we went up. We're like, we should have just walked because this... <laughs> It's just potholes. Like we were, if you had like a dirt bike, if you had an adventure bike, right, it would make sense. You're like, yeah, we are because we were we were basically off roading with asphalt. You know, that's amazing. There was potholes that would just swallow a whole motorcycle. Yeah, um, I always wonder how these scooters with their smaller wheels survive that that kind of uh, well, that's environment. I was legitimately worried that we were gonna like bend a rim or blow it out thing. and like. This like ridiculous scooter that we rented for seven dollars a day or something like that, um, but yeah, the traffic's crazy. And I'm gonna get the statistic wrong, but I want to say they have like nine fatalities or nine. Is it nine fatalities or nine crashes a day of tourists? Wow. Yeah, I believe scooters. the tourist part because the tourists don't know the the rhythm of the road. It's- no, and there's not like really any sort of like law enforcement or like road signs. I mean, we get like on Bali itself in the city in the main city. Yeah. But like where we were, that's not a, like you, you honk when you go around a turn to right. like the, let the other guy know that he needs to get over on his side of the lane again, <laughs> literally. <laughs> and so it was, a, it was a crazy experience. It was a lot of fun. I rode a, uh, a Honda. What was it called? Oh, I'm blinking. It was like a Honda Scooby or something like that. It was like uh, a little 50cc two-stroke or something? I think it was, a, it was an adorable little scooter. S- yeah, Scoopy. Honda Scoopy. Scoopy. But it was, it, was, it was interesting to see like just kind of how integral the scooter was to people getting around because like no one has cars. They actually, the island we stayed on is connected by this, this bridge. It's called the Yellow Bridge. Right. The bridge is not wide enough for a truck or a car. Oh. Like, you can only cross it on foot, on bicycle, or on scooter. So where we were staying, like there was like Five cars on the entire island. <clears throat> I have no idea how they got there. Huh. Fascinating. It was cool. It was a cool experience. Had a good time. The water was very blue. Oh, it looked swam with a manta ray and a sea turtle. Nice. Yeah, that was cool. Had a good time. You're and, still here, so you didn't pull a Steve 
Irwin with the ray. Uh, actually, that was a stingray. That that was a stingray. Yeah, yeah. Man rays are huge, though. They are huge. Fucking huge. It was like it's kind of neat to watch them swim when you're car. when you're not in the water. Just see these shadows going along the water. Yeah, yeah. S- super duper neat. So I came back and a um, bunch of motorcycle stuff happened. Dude, a lot of stuff happened. Was, oh my god! It was like Ducati Central. What do you want to talk about first? Um, let's talk about let's do some electric stuff real quick. Let's. TT zero is no more. I know. Isn't that crazy? I'm I'm a little bit surprised to be honest with you. I'm a little. I mean, I know it probably didn't have the biggest turnout, but I figured it just every year would get a little better, a little more exciting, a little more involved, maybe. I don't know how I feel about this, to be honest. Um, I think in a lot of ways, the TT Zero is what got me excited about the Isle of Man TT. Like, that that sounds wrong because road racing, motorcycle road racing is insane balls. Right. And the TT is amazing. And you go and you see it and you're like, eyes like open up super wide. Your mind gets blown. <clears throat> but... I don't really follow Irish road racing and I kind of follow the TT because it's the TT. But like, I don't know how much I really care if that makes sense. It's kind of like Moto America. Like, I care about Moto America, but like, I couldn't tell you who came in third in Superbike. Right. You know, yeah, there are certain races that seem a little out of reach. And also, I think we get sort of, you know, occupied doing other stuff where, yeah, it's just, it's just, uh, it's it, like it's an not overload. Your priority kind of list. Yeah. It's like, hey, I like it. But right. you're like you're like number ten on my list, and I really don't have time for like items one through seven. <laughs> but the TT zero would make me would make me kind of watch it, and I I worry that that might be the case for others who who weren't already you know deep into it. Like it was like a little gateway drug. Like hey, you know you like that TT, but you really want to see what's going on with these electrics. Like right. get you get you hooked a little bit. And now that's gone. Is but, there? I mean, are they going to talk about maybe doing it in another venue? No. Well. They're saying they're going to do a moratorium for two years, but that could really turn into like a forever kind of thing or for a while kind of thing. Right. What I suspect, and I have no information to back this up. This is just my Jensen Bueller opinion on the outside, but knowing the players involved. Um, I think Team Mugen got tired of racing themselves and the progress that they were making and the money that they would have to invest. I think that was the bigger thing. Because they kept iterating on their current bike design, and they made improvements. Like they would make like another mile an hour on their on their average lap right. uh, speed, and would, would keep raising the bar. But it wasn't like it was making big jumps, and they were getting that diminishing re- return kind of thing. And I think they were looking at like, hey, if we're going to push the bar further, we need to expend $10, 20 million dollars, whatever that number is, like a big number, because they're going to have to be like, we're going to have to start a whole new platform, right? We're done with this generation of the bike. We're going to have to start the next generation of the bike. And that's going to be a lot of money up front. And they probably looked at it and said, like, okay, if we're going to do that, we better, like, have someone to race against. And no one's coming racing with us. Honda's not showing up. KTM's not showing up. Zero's not showing up. Energica's not showing up. Yamaha. No one's stepping up and being like, yeah, let's get on this. Let's race prototype electric bikes well, i always thought though i mean like if you in on the car side you know you've got the F- formula e stuff and that's starting to get a pretty good following and i'm I'm wondering at one point will the motorcycle manufacturers that are getting involved in the electronic um technology are, are they going to maybe start stepping up to the world superbike or better yet you know like the moto gp uh, circuit where they can do like a moto e 
So there'd be like a Moto E, Moto 3, Moto 2, Moto GP thing where you're already there. There's already thousands of people there. Yeah. I, I think, well, I think that's part of it, right? Because, and I think that's why no competitor was showing up to race Mugen. Is one, there's, I don't know how much interest they have. And two, they don't want to lose to Mugen. But three, maybe most importantly, the Isle of Man is actually a really difficult race for electric motorcycles. Yeah. Like we talked about this when I raced that Energica at PIR. Yeah. PIR is not a great track for electrics because it's wide open. It's wide open. Yeah. It's full throttle. It's high speed. And that's exactly what the TT is. There's a couple little sections that are in the towns where you go through some turns, but the bulk of that race is wide fucking open. Yeah, on how the many throttle. people DNF that stuff when at the couple of years ago when it started being a thing because it's really hard it's a really high bar and the technology isn't really i've said for since the day that this race was started that it was too soon mm -hmm. and my worry was always that we were trying to force something to happen because the people involved were acting in their own self-interests and not in the actual interest of the industry or the consumer and they were trying to make something happen and it wasn't time yet for it right and i, and I don't know if we're necessarily at that time yet for the TT because it is such a difficult course. Obviously, brands like Motosis and Mugen have come in and shown like, hey, you can actually put a pretty good lap time here. But no one else followed that up. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like like you pointed out with Moto E, it's so much more appro approachable. You know, even even PIR, it's so much more approachable. Oh, you can't do eight laps? Cool, we'll make it a six lap race. Right. And that's exactly what we've seen with Moto E is some races are eight laps, some races are five laps, some races are six. And they just they just tailor it to the course and say, hey, how many laps can we give that are great racing laps? Yeah, making them exciting. That's and, what we'll do. Right. Doesn't matter if it's a 15 minute race. It's just it's just a sprint race, anyways. It's as advertised. And basically, the technology required to do that is available to all the brands. It's not, it's not a moonshot of an event. It's something very approachable and doable. Still difficult. I'm not gonna like downplay it. Yeah, but I think it'll allow them to you know, move up and the and the advances step by step as opposed to having to do a 30-something mile lap. Right, which is crazy. Yeah. It's just crazy. So I, I kind of get it from that perspective where I think, you know, if I'm Mugen, I'm probably looking at the money I'm spending and looking at the return I'm getting and being like, this isn't worth it. Right. And if Mugen pulls out, then I, I really feel like that's, that's the only supporting column. If they leave, then the whole thing collapses. And I think that's where we're at. I think they're, they're looking at dollar and cents and being like, this is stupid for us and no one else is coming to race us so we're gonna leave and the tt was like oh wow okay if you guys aren't coming then what's the point because yeah. like, you're the only i could see how they're giving it two years hoping maybe something will change and other people will step up but i wouldn't be shocked if we start seeing it and this you know well i say smaller but comparatively smaller moto gp tracks i think that would make way more sense well that's what the fim is doing with the moto e world cup yeah you know they're going to i think now they're like down to four venues or whatever but it's six races um Funny thing, we'll talk about this, I think, later in the show, but I will be at Valencia for the MotoGP round. Oh, that's such a good time. Riding the Moto e-bike. Super good time. The Monday after the race. And that's a technical little track, so that should be interesting on that. That'll be good. I think that'll be a decent track for that bike. Yeah. Um. So I'll be out there riding the Moto e race bikes. Is that before or after the GP race? That's after. That's the Monday after. So you're going to be there with all the teams when they're testing their bikes or... No. Well, kind of. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday is mm -hmm. the Valencia GP. It's the last round of the MotoGP calendar. Mm -hmm. Monday is a rest day for the paddock. Tuesday, Wednesday are the postseason uh, tests that mm -hmm. are so famous. 
So we'll be on the track Monday with the Moto e-bikes from the racing teams. Cool. Um, so like they'll be set up. There'll be people there, but I don't think I'll be sharing the track with Bradley Smith or Valentino Rossi or anything <laughs> like that. I think it'll just be a bunch of journalists. Good, but it's still it's, pretty cool. To be I, wanna, I don't want it. you to embarrass those guys. No, I would hate to you know mess up anyone's contract don't, don't negotiations. Do don't do yeah, no, I don't think that's the worry for anyone. <laughs> um but it will be cool to to go out and actually try the race bike uh, i've been really curious especially after using the street version uh, at the racetrack right and then they're gonna have their 2020 lineup out, out there as well so that'll be interesting to see what changes because uh, we'll just have come from eichma so they'll have announced their 2020 lineup eichma sounds like it should be a little bit exciting this year eichma will be interesting so i'll be out there for eichma uh getting all the stories and doing all the things and uh eating all the pizzas all the pizzas so much splintini oh so much that's all i'm gonna eat every day <laughs> it's probably not true but it'll be close project uh, six pack on their way uh well i'll be walking so much so i'll need the carbs yeah it's a lot better out there you walk a lot you do and and i, I don't know if i have any how many steps i walked last year but like I remember coming home and being drenched. Like I, I had sweated through my shirt. Like you walk around, I've got a backpack on with a bunch of heavy gear because I got my camera equipment and right. everything. At least it's a cool time of year this time. It is freezing cold there. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it'll be actually a really. I'm I'm out there for three weeks. We're gonna do Eichma, cover all the new bikes. Uh. And then I go to Bologna. I'm gonna have a little little chitty chat with with, with Claudio. Nice. Gonna tell him a little what, Ducati talk. A little Ducati talk. Talk a little Ducati. Be like, listen. See if he'll tell you about that uh, that rumored eleven hundred cc. I don't. Know, I think it's an air cooled adventure bike that I keep seeing everywhere. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. some. There's some. So we're gonna we're gonna have some mm-hmm. some some words. Mm-hmm. I'll probably do a podcast on that for the Mr. motor podcast. Ali. Um, but yeah, actually, they got some cool things they're gonna show me. Like they're they've got a program with the university that they're doing. We're gonna go out to the design center. Cool. Um, we're gonna talk to the museum curator. Uh, yeah, it would be it'd be a pretty rad trip. Um. And then we're going to go to Hareth and ride the new Panigale V2. I'm actually glad they've done that bike. That's I was wondering what was going to come of the 959. We're kind of jumping ahead, but let's talk about we it. We are. Should we just go straight to that one since we're yeah, already talking about Yeah, we're, we're right there. Let's talk about it. What do, what do you... That bike came out. What were your thoughts? What was, what was... We should have done this together. I could have had your reaction. But tell me Shaheen's reaction as he's watching this. So, you know, I, I wasn't even expecting that bike. It wasn't even on my radar, but... I remember last year sort of being like, all right, well, we're, we're coming up on the anniversary of the design of the 899 slash 959 because Ducati typically has a five-year you know, turnaround between designs. Uh, so I was wondering what was going to happen to the 959. And when this thing came out, I was very, very shocking, like pleasantly surprised because it's got the V4, the well, now first-gen V4 body style because we found out the upcoming V4 is going to have the V4R body, basically. Right. So... Single-sided swing arm. That's kind of cool. That's pretty cool. That's when was the last? I mean, eight four eight was the last time that there was a middleweight superbike with a single-sided swing arm. Middle, like you got to do the quotes. Yeah, middleweight. It's fucking it's it's still nine hundred fifty-five cc. Yeah, one hundred fifty horsepower bike. bike. <laughs> That's bullshit. Come on. Quotation marks. Middleweight. Um, I know a lot of people were like, "Ah, oh, I hope Ducati makes a small V four so that." Because V4s I, are cool. I want them to make a small V4. I mean, and Dominicali said last year, no, no, we're going to carry on this, no. this this motor. No, he made it very clear that the high-end bikes, the $20,000 plus bikes, will be V4 powered right. where applicable. And that the middleweight bikes will be V-twins. Yep. Um, so, so, no so surprises on you that. You probably have more details on the bike's tech spec, but... 
from where I was looking at, it looked like it's going to have pretty much a whole slew of electronics thrown at it, a nice adjustable suspension front and back. Um, just a just a fine looking machine, that thing. I have many minds about this machine. Okay. Um, Let's go with the bad. The bad. The bad, it's still a Panigale 959. Yeah. Like, there's the nothing... motors are still the same, isn't it, from last generation? Uh, it's a, not exactly the same. There's a slight power increase because it's Euro 5. Right. And I think they've they've refined some of that package and the exhaust is different. So they've they've eked out some stuff. I haven't seen a full breakdown, and we'll probably get that actually in her ref. Uh, thank you very much. Look at that. Ooh, we have an assistant we, at uh, Brap Talk now. Yeah, we got uh, a little, very handsome, little studio head. Sit down, sir. Have, I mean, you brought me a Mountain Dew. Come on down. Ma- you're gonna say, no, you got, the, you got the a Mountain Dew. I got a, I got an orange soda. Oh, my God. You're so Persian. I'm so Persian. What did you get, Gary? You got a Coke. All right, white guy. My friend Gary's visiting from Florida. He needs to leave Florida once in a while just to get a little Pacific Northwest uh, air in his lungs. Oh, man. So here he is. He's got to relax and calm down, as he says. So good. Oh, man. Orange soda. Straight mm. off the mountain. I swear on. I want to talk in a Persian accent every time I drink orange soda. <laughs> I really liked orange soda when I was a kid. I love orange soda all the time. I've, I've had a love affair for it since I was a little Iranian kid. Now the American grown-ups. <laughs> Were you ever it. a little Iranian kid? I was, man. Once upon a time, I was, you know, under six feet tall. <laughs> when you were three. <laughs> when I was three, <laughs> right before the beard came out. Um, <laughs> so anyway, so well, the motor is still, the, uh, the still the 959 motor, a little bit more power. A little bit more power. Um, <clears throat> yeah, there's not much that's changed. Like It's got the electronics pack. I love that it's got the electronics package. It's robust. It looks like it's got um, pretty good components on it. It's... What's the pricing? Sixteen five. That's not bad. So it's gone up. It's gone up the the requisite five hundred dollars every year. Yeah, I love the single sided swing arm. That's so classic. The little exhaust is kind of cute, even for a stock exhaust. The bike. It does actually look kind of cute, doesn't yeah. it? I can get into the exhaust. The bike looks good. Like if, if I had never seen a Ducati Superbike in the last, I was going to say five years, but it might have to be a little bit longer than that. It's definitely not ten years, but somewhere right. between that. And I saw this machine, I'd be like, yeah. That's a Ducati. Nice. Right? I like Daddy Want. Me likey. But the unfortunate part, Shaheen, is that I have seen the Superbikes in the last 10 years or so. Yeah. So I know it's I know it's just a reworked 959. <laughs> and I know the reworking comes straight from the Panigale V4. So I'm just like, I don't like this common look thing that Ducati is doing, especially with the yeah. Superbikes. I think the Panigale R now needs like, 10 more wings on it. Uh, yeah, what the hell do you do now? No, actually, what needs to happen with the Panigale R is it needs to go straight up GP style. Like, if we're going to do wings, do like Just GP the style. whole shebang. Just insano. Just a big fat spoiler on the back. Yep. Huge. Um, Just, maybe, maybe like one of those timber sled wheels for the rear. But, but, but what I liked about with the V4, or I should say, when the V4 came out and I saw the wings and the bodywork with the gills, I was like, that's what the Panigale V4 should have been when it came yes. out. Because that was at least enough of a styling difference that like okay i see where you went with the 1299 but uh-huh. you've evolved and it's better whereas when it came out the first time i was like oh you just kind of squared off the headlight like i literally have a photo of me on a v4 at turn nine at pir and you can't distinguish it from the photo of me on the panigale 1299 no, you until have to you really, really get down you have to really start looking at certain right. spots on the bikes to find the differences and it shouldn't be that way 
And so I have that same thing with with this, where I'm like, oh, I wish it looked a little bit more different. I wish it didn't look exactly like Panigale V4. And then they make the naming V2. Yeah. I'm like, you guys are really trying to homogenize the superbike lineup, and I don't know if I like that. You no, know, I kind of miss when Italian bikes were known for their like super exciting design that was just way out of the norm and stood out. And that's the thing. I'm not I excited know. about the design. I, know. I don't hate it. Like I said, I'm excited <clears throat> about the V4 finally getting the wings on all of them. Yeah, but even then, like I've seen the wings. But now it's a thing. Yeah. Like the novelty's gone. Yeah. Now it needs to be not just wings, but like uh, uh, adaptive aero. Yeah, or lasers, or l- 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 freaking lasers on the Ducati's just, freaking just eyes. Something. Ugh. It's tough. It's tough. Like all that said, I'm sitting here looking at the bike. photo. I'm like, that looks really good. It looks. Yeah. It's a good looking bike. Yeah. But mm, I know. Mm, I'm just not. I'm not super excited. I think it's going to be fun on the track. I've, having having spent some time on an eight nine nine and a nine five nine at the track. Great track bikes. Yeah. The the problem with the twelve ninety nine was the 1299 couldn't be ridden at half speed that bike got better the harder you push it right. if you hated that bike it's probably because you were slow yep you needed an 899 or a you, 959 yeah and that's where the 959 and the 899 really had a lot of power reverse pun not intended <laughs> um but that's where their their strengths really were because they were bikes that didn't require you to be at 10 tenths to appreciate them they were approachable they were fun at any speed, at any pace, at any risk. Um, and I think that's going to carry over here. Like, there's no, hmm, can't decide if I'm a burp or not. No, nope, that's the heartburn. There's nothing about the Panigale V2 that makes me think that that's gone away. I mean, yeah. the single sided swing arm is going to probably change some things. Um, yeah, but not enough for the average rider to really notice. The motor changes might be a little different, but I really think the the DNA is going to be there that it's going to be a fun track bike, and and that that bodes well. And uh, sixteen thousand, I think that makes a really attractive super bike, not a middleweight. It's a super bike. It's a it is a bike. super bike. Um, for 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 someone to buy, and that helps kind of push the V four. I think a little bit more into that like supercar realm, yeah. super. I was going to say super bike, but an obtainium. It's just a little bit more premium. We're like, hey, you see a Panigale V4. Wow, you got a lucky day. Whereas right now, like, they're kind of like a dime a dozen. I know. Um, I just, I want that, I want that special to come back again. I think, I think that's where Ducati overall is headed with their, their program. And that's actually something I want to talk to Claudio about because it really feels like they're making an effort to just be more expensive, to be more premium. Yeah. I think they got a little bit of pressure from MV Augusta on that and, and we're seeing the difference now. Um, because the next bike I want to talk to you about, I really feel like that's what they're doing. Which one? It's the bike. It's the only bike you want to talk. The about, one that, that I, the one that I'm like trying to hide my boner from yeah, right now. It's the Street Fighter V4. Oh, uh, uh, uh. tell me, tell me your thoughts on this machine. Is it everything you hoped and dreamed? Is Shaheen? Is the Shah gonna put some Shah dollars down and get one of these bad boys? That's the question I really Pro- want. Probably, to know. probably if not this year, by next year, totally. S model or, ba- or base model? You got to do S model. Wow, look at that commitment. I know. It's a true Ducatista. Yeah, right so there. here's, I mean, I think, I think this is because I will I, absolutely I spend $4,000 more. <laughs> you know, I, I will say this to anybody. That extra $4,000 is probably not going to get the average rider enough to notice anything. But I'm, I'm here to tell you from someone who's worked the retail side of this thing. If you buy a non-S model and you ever think you're going to get rid of it to like trade it in for anything, 
You're going to get shit back for it. No I got a lot points. of offers on my base model Street Fighter. Oh, no, because your base model Street Fighter is now an unobtainium. You can't find one of those things that's not molested. But anytime we're at a dealership meeting or anything where someone brought in a bike that was a non-S version, they just got less offers. It was harder for them to consign the bike. It just wasn't moving as quickly. That's not saying that the market is going to you know, completely say boo to that motorcycle. It might be like your bike where they're not going to make a shit ton of them and down the line someone's going to want to buy a used one and that, you know, non-S model might be more obtainable for them. As it is, we're talking, what, 20000 versus $25,000 for those bikes, right? 20 to 24. Okay, 24. Yeah, it's a $4,000 Delta. So, Which gets you forged aluminum wheels yep. and Olin's electronic suspension. Yep. I don't think there's much else there. That's not... I mean, you're you're getting what you paid for on that. Right. You know, wheels you, are gonna. If you look at the Ducati performance catalog, those wheels on their on their own are about three thousand and change. Well, that's a silly price, but yeah. Oh, absolutely. I would say, like, generally, like when you're upgrading, there's about a fifteen hundred dollar delta between cast wheels and forged wheels, aluminum wheels. Right. And there's probably like a two three thousand dollar delta on suspension. This is electronic suspension. So it's a little bit higher. A little bit more, yeah. So you're like, okay. Yeah, like I get it. Like I, I don't think that's a crazy spread between the two models. But like I was really upset that I was right about how much this bike costs. Because twenty thousand dollars for a Street Fighter is it's a, a lot, lot of coin. Yeah. Cause the S model of your bike was like nineteen. The 18 S change. model, mine was oh man, I gotta go back in time and think. It wasn't nineteen, it was like eighteen. I, I thought it was like eighteen nine ninety five or something like that, but Oh, I just round up a, everything. It's a good thing to look up, actually. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I feel like I paid 15 out the door. I feel like base model was like, oh, look at you. 18995 Yeah. What was mine then? How much did that fucking pay? About 15 I feel like I paid like 15 out the door. You probably did. Uh, I don't know. That's going to take too long. But here's but so, so I mean, the S model, if it's getting the, you know, adjustable electronic Olin suspension, you and I both know, like on the V4 Panigales, that, that Olin suspension is awesome. They, they do a really good job of making it very, very easy to live with, very easy to adjust, very easy to modulate for the kind of riding for whatever track or street you're going to be riding. And I believe on the Street Fighter, I thought I read that they've made it a little bit softer too. So it's slightly more humane slightly more uh approachable right <laughs> um i'll be i'll be really curious at that launch um one i'll be really curious to see where we go if it how much street is on there and yeah. how much track is on there yeah uh if if we even do both um i can see them sending you guys to like sardinia for that well that's the funny thing so like so this ducati launch um i actually still don't actually know 100 percent what this launch is is and we were, yeah, we were or what bike or anything we were, we were told not to speculate right. on it but like whatever um it's our job to speculate i'm like i gotta tell people where i'm going come on leave me alone <laughs> but so i actually had a confirmation that it is the v2 but once i saw that the v2 was coming out i was like oh that's what we're riding it's got to be because it's a track only harass but you know, we were all like the journalists. We were all talking like, "Oh, hey, that street fighter v4 launch at harass like it wouldn't surprise me that they would do like a track only launch at somewhere like Valencia or, right. or some of that was like a tighter course. Um, but I'll be curious. It, that bike, super intriguing to me. Uh, what do you think about the looks? 
All right, so ooh, yeah. ooh, ooh, look at you! I'm like, I wish, this is why we need to be a video podcast because your body you language, saw, you saw just, my entire body like, change. You just, you just marinated uh, so much uh, flavor there. Uh, I give it a nine out of ten. Nine out of ten. Yeah. Okay, I wanted, I wanted to give it a ten out of ten. Like your bike when it came out, that was a ten out of ten for me. Really? Yeah, I loved everything about it. The headlights, everything fit in. Okay, this one, it it feels like they were trying so hard to make it look like your bike. Meanwhile, still maintaining the new V4 sort of tail end and tank thing going on. What's wrong with that? I think that that part is beautiful. I think the headlight area leaves a little, little sums. That, that's the most polarizing part of the bike. Everyone that I've seen comment on it online and in person, that's the first thing they talk about. And then immediately they talk about the wings. And it's what? like, ah, whatever, the wings are there. Get over it. But the headlight, it's, 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 I think it's one of those things uh, where it makes me think of the 999 when it first came out. I think photos aren't going to do it that much justice. I think this is one of those bikes that when you see it in person, you're going to go, oh, okay, that makes sense. I was like that with the 1098. Yeah. The, the, the Street Fighter 1098. Yeah. I did not like this Street Fighter when it came out. I went into the dealership to buy a Hyper Motart. Wow. And saw the 1098 in person and was like, damn. Bang it up. Taking it home. Done. Donezo. Yeah. Sign me up. Came in for one thing, came out the other. <laughs> I will say the uh, headlight, once you see the unibrow, you can't unsee it. Oh, yeah. It's there. It's there. <laughs> and as an Iranian, the unibrow, you know, <laughs> it, it hits a nerve, man. <laughs> we spent a lot of money on waxes and threads to not have the unibrow. And here's Ducati being like, hey, fucker, here's your unibrow. I feel like the headlight design that was on the Pike's Peak bike was a little bit better. That's what I was hoping for. I think maybe that's the disconnect. Yeah. But in terms of like the the rest of the styling, it's pretty spot on. You know the only here's here's my gripe. I mean, at the end of the day, a Street Fighter is supposed to be a super bike without the fairings, right? So it's like, oh, it's just like the Panigale V4 without the fairings. Like, yeah, that's the point. I don't. So I I, I like the tail. I think the Panigale tail looks great. That's gorgeous. Yeah. The the I think the way they did the body work with the with the wings and everything that looks that looks fine. It's got the little chin spoiler. I'm impressed with how they hit all the guts because I've seen a V4 Panigale without its side fairings and it's butt ugly. They 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 must have hired a couple plumbers. Yeah. They probably got Mario and Luigi down there. <laughs> and, you know, got the one up mushroom <laughs> and just rerouted all those pipes because it it does look good. The thing that bothers me the most though, Ooh, what is it? No shotgun exhaust. I know. How good would this bike look? I know. With a big fat shotgun exhaust instead of that under. I, I love the wow. the low slung Panigale exhaust. Don't get me wrong. I think that's a beautiful exhaust. But the shotgun exhaust. But a shotgun exhaust. That's a Street Fighter. You know and what? That you, would look. That would look spaghetti and meatballs. So that'd when, be a spicy car. When Terminioni came out with their their V four race exhaust, that silliness, that silly over under thing that they oh did. Oh my god, it's it's both beautiful and horrible at the same time. I feel exactly the same way about it, but I like it so much because it's so silly and beautiful at the same time that I said I'm going to buy the Street Fighter if it has the same tail section because of this fucking exhaust. Really? Yeah. So because I feel like that exhaust is silly enough to fit perfectly on a Street Fighter. Okay, I gotta look at it again. Hold on. Um, while you're looking at that, so there's a local-ish company here, which a lot of people know very well in the motorcycle industry for exhausts. They make pretty much the same pipe that's fitted on every fucking bike. Competition Works. Oh, yeah. I, right. really, oh, I guess they're local, huh? So, so Sean at Comp Works was looking for a Ducati V4, Panigale V4, to outfit for one of their exhausts. So I had sold a V4 to a customer, and really cool kid, and I hooked him up with Sean. 
and Sean made a shotgun style over under exhaust for the Panigale V4. It is loud as fuck, but I think that would look really, really good also on this uh, on this uh, Street Fighter if you wanted to have the bike that just pisses off every one of your neighbors within the next 10 blocks. I'm going to be really curious. 205 horsepower, is it, how streetable is it? You know, because I am a firm believer... Like anything over 155 on the street, it's silly. 150 horsepower on the street, like you just don't see the difference. So, oh. like, I get the spec sheet racing, the the excitement. I mean, it's over 200 horsepower. So it's like, I mean, I think that was oh, my the full headline. exhaust. I think they're like 226 oh, horsepower or something. It's so stupid! It's so stupid! Holy it's amazing. Hell, I'm glad it has wings. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's awesome and it's stupid at the same time. Um, but that's the thing, though. Like, you're not going to be able to use it. No, it's not going to make a difference. And so what I'm curious to see, we know KTM has a new Super Duke coming out. That's going to be also another rowdy bike. Uh, we know, uh, I don't think any updates are coming to the Tuono, but we saw the uh, Kawasaki ZH2, yeah. the supercharged bike. Speaking of polarized uh, the styling. We're going to get there. <laughs> we're going to get there. <laughs> but again, that's a 200 horsepower motorcycle. Yeah. Um, and it's also $17,000. It's a lot cheaper. But like you, know, you have these interesting bikes in this space, and I'm going to be very curious. Like I, I don't think I think the KTM is going to have like 190 horsepower. I don't think it's going to have that much. I bet it'll have at least 190. I bet it'll be a 200 horsepower bike. I don't think so. It's the same engine. This is a this is this is a battle now. Ducati just turned it to 11. Yeah, I think it's like, a battle, right. and Ducati just went. <laughs> Here it is, guys. <laughs> Can you imagine being KTM and, uh, and Aprilia being like, we've made these 185, 190 horsepower bikes. Ducati's like, hold my Peroni yeah. and watch this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hold my Prosecco. <laughs> we uh, got a thing to show you. These are going to be very nice. <laughs> I got a nice Chianti for I, you. I have a theory. Because the Panigale V2 just came out, I would almost bet money 2021 there's going to be a V2 Street Fighter. You know, that's interesting. That's an interesting idea. And I wouldn't have believed it until you until the v2 came out um and someone asked me that in the comment section and i was like uh, i don't know i have heard nothing about it though they didn't really talk much about the 848 street fighter before it came out and then it was like oh check this thing out it's pretty badass yeah and yeah. i've ridden both uh, 848's better bike dude the better bike i hate saying it because i love the 1090 because it's such a rowdy mean fucker of a motorcycle but because it's such a rowdy mean fucker of a motorcycle you ride the a4 you're like oh this makes sense they got the chassis wrong with the 1090 yeah <laughs> I, as a 1098 owner i like the a4 better i'm just saying <laughs> you heard it here just folks. saying i just can't i can't afford to buy both but that's the thing <laughs> you were just saying that 200 plus horsepower naked bike it's almost too much and what's happened is those of us who've been in the motorcycling world for the last 20 years 30 years of our lives we're now getting older and we're getting more I don't know, pain here and there, lower back pains and whatever. So we still want to have that super bike with a somewhat upright seating position. So I have this theory. Like I want to do this chart that's like the evolution or the progression of a motorcyclist. <laughs> and it's like you start out. It always like, ends in a BMWGS. I think you can have a lot of different <laughs> metrics. Like it can start out like how much horsepower you want or what kind of bike you want, how much rear brake you use. Right um you know like how much gear you wear like it and, it, and like you know it's going to change as you go in your time and i think there's this point there's like this inflection point around i don't know it's it's all kind of arbitrary you know but let's say like five years in where you start like realizing like i was a super bike guy so it's like this is me right we're like oh super bike super bike super bike more power more power 200 horsepower blah. and then you start gonna be like you know it's not really fun anymore 
200 power 200 horsepower yeah. super bikes Shit's you know starting. what i really want <laughs> i want like 120 horsepower i want uh, like your, your tastes start going swimming like that's where i'm like you know what i really want to have sheen is a v4 600 like yeah. that would blow my mind that'd i think that incredible. would be like the ultimate track bike that'd be rad sign me up i'm done that'd be that'd be it <laughs> and it's the same way where it's like not ah, 200 horsepower street fighter wow that's yeah. amazing but like like trump you, card to defeat all trump cards but can you fuck. make me a 959 version <laughs> yeah can, you guys want to make, make a v2 v- version of this bike because then yeah. i can ride it to my friends and show them how cool it looks still and i don't have to be scared of it in that corner it's an interesting it's an interesting thing now that being said ducati's electronics are pretty great at making a super rider out of most average riders i think the electronics were going to tame the beast as it were just fine the, the biggest thing will be whether or not the throttle and the mapping is right because right. that was another thing that wasn't correct on the 1098 when it came out but the V4 is pretty good. Um, that's pretty smooth. It's pretty smooth. Hot as hell. But Hot that's as hell. The main complaint everyone have, aside from the kickstand. But I think the thing that's going to come down to is is like a back to back ride because I don't think it's such a detriment if Aprilia or KTM or Kawasaki or whoever doesn't have 200 horsepower. Yep. Whereas like in the superbike space, fuck. Like look at Honda. If you don't have a 200 horsepower superbike right now. You are irrelevant. Yeah, nobody talks about it. Um, I got some news on that. Ooh. Remind me to come back to that. All right, uh, we're gonna break some news on the show. When got, news breaks, we I got fix some. It. I got some Honda news. You want some Honda news? I got, I got some, some Honda gossip. Let me take a drag at this. I'm gonna have a little <laughs> coffee, and then I'm gonna tell Honda. you about the Honda CBR. It's gonna be amazing. <laughs> it's a CBR. Stop asking me if it's gonna be a V5. It's a CBR. They're always four cylinders. They're always four cylinders. <laughs> always all the cylinders. Always in line. CBS Japanese for inline four. Stop it. Is that like a little like Long Island old lady? What is that? Long Island. <laughs> I told you before the show, we do an amazing Jamaican accent. Yeah, that was pretty good. I don't think I do any other accent well, but I think we did Jamaican pretty good. It's because you were about to go on vacation, and I know you were going to Bali, but you know, Jamaica is an island. It's an island. For, it's an island. It's an island. It's With beautiful sun, there. beautiful water, beautiful people. Yeah. Um, Questionable drivers that drive on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> Basically the same. But yeah, that's the thing. I'll be curious to see asses in seats, ripping and tearing, just going down canyon roads, yeah. sweepers. I don't think you're going to notice the power difference. So that's the so question. I'll be curious. So Which I th- is going to be an easier bike to ride fast? Right. Right. Which bike is going to be the rider's bike? Mm. Like, like, if you're a spec sheet racer, if you're just there like for the male bravado and you're just buying whatever's got the most power or is the most expensive or looks the best or whatever speaks to you, which is fine. Do your thing. You do you. Yeah. You'll speak your truth. That's fine. But if that's that's what you're going to do, you're going to get a V4. Oh, yeah. But I mean, if, if you you're a connoisseur, Ooh. if you're a person of taste mm. and experience. The kind of guy who does uh, what they call a French tuck, which is just the front of your shirt and your pants. Yes. <laughs> uh, which bike are you going to pick? You know, is it going to be the KTM? Is it going to be the Tuono still? Is it going to be the V4? That's what I'm very, very curious. This is the, I think, the most important comparison for the 2020 model year. I think if you're that kind of a connoisseur, you're just going to go straight to MV Augusta and say, give me one of those. I forgot about the MV and the MV right? is ridiculous. But I see, that's the thing. So the MV still has like the horsepower king. It's 212. Yeah. Uh, Italian horsepowers, which is like, I don't know, 289 or something. <laughs> um, but still more than Ducati. It's also 37 thousand dollars it's ridiculous i mean we're just talking motorcycles still but that is literally the the high spec superbike motor just crammed into a street fighter it is not 
tuned for oh. the street. So oh. you're making all your power at the top of the reference. Like as awesome as that bike looks, as crazy as that spec sheet is, as you know, iconic that MV August is as a brand. Can you apply? I don't it? think that bike's actually gonna be very fun to ride on the road. No. I could be wrong. Yeah. I would like to be proven wrong. I'm gonna try and get on one while I'm in Italy. Um I during bet someone on a street uh, street triple will outdo a typical canyon ride. Yeah. I'll be really I think this segment is really going to be all about asses and seats. I think the superbike segment, you can still kind of look at spec sheets and be like, oh, that one makes more horsepower and weighs less. All right, asphalt and rubber. Probably going to be better. Naked superbike deathmatch. Naked powerhouse. I think we're going to have to bring the deathmatch. Where the death is probably. Deathmatch one didn't go so well. Deathmatch two. We'll see. Well, this is a much smaller deathmatch. I think it's more doable. It's more doable. Well, the problem is you're going to get into all these brands that don't want to be compared to each other. Which is just a pain. Fine, then they don't get compared, and we'll talk just mad shit about them on ANR Pro. I know enough people with Tuanos and Ducatis and KTMs. We'll make this happen. I, I we do know all those people. We know all those people. We can do it. Chris Filmer still owes me eight dollars. God, d- just send him eight dollars. I'm tired of hearing about this. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, we'll call the debt even <laughs> if we can have a bike for this Street Fighter death match. Ooh, that's fair. I think that's fair. That's worth eight hundred cents. Yeah. You gotta make it sound bigger. You gotta make it bigger. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's, that's why we wear size small gloves. That's right. <laughs> Makes it look bigger. She huge. When I send them that photo, got massive hands. <laughs> <laughs> everything looks bigger in my hands. <laughs> I'm talking about dick pics. It's everything a dick, does a dick, look bigger in your hands, Gary. <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> Don't know if you're a listener, but we talk a lot about penises. A lot of dick jokes. <laughs> <laughs> this is motorcycles. Are you know basically just a long-standing dick joke. Oh, isn't really like isn't that like let's let's get real. Motorcycles are pretty much just. Why would like you buy penises. a two hundred and eight horsepower naked bike? It's a two wheel penis. It's just an extension of my one hundred percent compensating for my lack of personality <laughs> and my small penis. That's it. I want to make more male friends. I'm going to buy a motorcycle. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you buy a motorcycle thinking you're going to meet members of the opposite sex. It is not true. Nope. I just want to know what ads I'm going to see after this. It doesn't know. It's what not going to know. It's, it's going to be, be like, like hey, here's this pair of thongs, and also here's a set of tires for your Hayabusa. What do you want? <laughs> it's going to be grinder. It's going to be motorcycle tires, and it's going to be like fried chicken or something. I don't know. I feel like we're going down a weird. I like it. My, we my... got to get out of this. This <sighs> is not going to do well. This is not. <laughs> we're going to get some comments. Uh, I, yeah, I know yeah. last show we asked people to go and rate us. This show's a pass. This is just don't just, worry about just, rating. Don't this worry show. about this one. Just keep on listening. Show, we'll, we'll take you home. Don't worry. Just uh, send us love letters. Uh, we wrap talk at gmail.com. Yep. Send Jensen love letters. He gets lonely on the 12 hour layovers in Beijing. A lot of interesting things going on. Um, do we want to talk about the other Ducatis? I'm not as excited. The Strata just bleh. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna actually get to write a pre production one while I'm in Italy. Wait, the V4? No, 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 no. The Grand Tour. How's I mean, aren't they all pre production versions of that bike at this point? Because you're going to ride a Multistrada. Yeah. All right. With bags. See the thing. Okay. Here's what I'm bummed about. So the last time they made a GT version of the Multistrada, they made a GT version with bigger bags. So it had a lot more capacity that you could actually fit shit in there. And it came with like engine guards and blah, 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 blah. This version just has like a giant sticker that says 1260 on it. Specific GT paint, I guess. Yeah. And some led lights like and a bunch of stuff lights. out of the out of the catalog yeah, but it's not that many stuff it's fog lights it's um the bags it's but that's part else. of the touring package it's not nothing to get excited about. yeah i'm not 
I, like I thought they were going to do a cool GT, and I was like, well, that's interesting to have a GT bike towards the end of this V2 Multistrada cycle, but all right. But I, I just don't see the reason behind it. Yeah. I don't know. Cool bike, but just buy a 1260S touring package, and you'll probably spend less money than this bike and still have the well, same Well, that's... No, 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 no. Because they talked about this at the launch. Um, I don't have it right in front of me. Where's the thing? Because they, they broke down the added cost of the tour mm. of the GT. Uh, yeah. Okay. So it's set above the multi 1260S by 1500 euros. And you look at what they're adding and it, those cost more than 1500 euros. Like it's a pretty good, I, mean, I guess that's better price. Cause the, the touring package is like 1800 bucks. Cause it comes with kickstand. I'm sorry, center stand bags. And I believe heated grips. I don't know if that's standard on them anymore or not, but I think that's what touring used to give you on a Multistrada. And if they're only charging you fifteen hundred bucks more and giving you the LED driving lights, that's another five hundred bucks there. So okay, there's a little bit of a. All right, I take back what I said. I'm still not excited about it. It could be, yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna like get super excited, but I think there's a value there. It makes it easy. There might still some. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. I, I. How cool. long was my story? This is this is at this point they're like, all right, how can we make the Multistrada look a little bit different before we. Swing out no, no, something no. different for 2021. It was, how do we make it look like we have more bikes coming out than right. we actually do? Right. Because like at the end of the day, they're really not coming out with that many bikes. No. It's like, oh, we came out with a... Uh, Street Fighter. That was really it. A Scrambler <laughs> Dark. And you're like, cool. Oh, you're coming out with a Monster uh, 821. Dark. Dark. They did that with a 1200 S Dark. I'm like, ooh, what's this going to... No, I'm just Cool. Back. Cool. <laughs> yeah, you're coming out with a new Multistrada with bags. and It's also dark. Dark. Cool. Neat. It's literally Street Fighter V4, which is phenomenal. Yeah, you know, big. And, and the Pentagon V2, which is Pentagon cool. V2 is like, eh, all right. Yeah. And the, the R body the, and the all the V4s. Street Fighter is like a ten. The Pentagon is like a five. The R body V4s These, are. Eh. Uh, it like this a, it's like a three because okay, they did some stuff. The Multistrada. And then everything else is kind of like a one and a one. The thing that was really interesting, the thing that's been getting a lot of attention though, are those scrambler concepts. Yeah, let's talk about Especially that. Especially that Desert X. Yeah. That needs to happen. That is finally, I think, the right application of the 1100 motor on a scrambler. Because all the other 1100 uh, scramblers they made were just junk. They were overweight, underpowered garbage. Tell me what you really think. That's how I feel, man. This orange soda is hyping me up. Yeah, look at you. God dang it. It's like Persian fuel. <sighs> My Persian accent's about to come out. I didn't even know I had one. <laughs> <laughs> we already committed to starting the yeah, show. Yeah, what I'm worried about, music. though, on that 1100... Uh, um, adventure bike is what is it going to weigh because i mean i'm looking at the scrambler 1100s that they're out there and those things are kind of chunky they're going to be they're going to be heavier you know i mean they're not going to they're not going to take a lot of weight off of it i mean what's the what's the desert sled weigh 400 it's going to be like ish pounds it's going to be like 15 20 pounds heavier than that shouldn't be though that's the thing what's the fucking point yeah it's well, that's the thing. When you have someone like KTM coming out with the 790 Adventure R, right? When you have a Tenere um, 700, Tenere 700. Have we seen weights on that yet? It's, it's not. Pretty, that, it's pretty close to that. It's, it's not bad. Yeah, oh. I, I vaguely remember it being pretty good. Um, but hey, they're coming out with it. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be a true adventure bike in the sense of like, hey, I'm going to go across Africa with this thing. Yeah, yeah. But I think it takes the Scrambler brand a little bit more into the off-road realm, which is I'm fine with. I think it looks good. I think for 
You know, we, we were giving Dunlop a hard time last show or two about like <laughs> right. their, their 50 50 right. tire. <laughs> this is gonna be another one of those bikes, like, yeah, it's a 50 50 bike, it's a dual sport. Like, It'll look really no. good at the coffee shop if you just throw a little mud on it. Another 80 20. It's gonna be about as off roadable as, as the Multistrada Enduro. Which, hey, man, that goes off road pretty good. I, I mean, like, you can take it off road, <laughs> you can go do some things. I, I've, I took my hyper off road when I had it. Yeah. And I put knobbies on it, put TKC80s on it, and it did okay. You'd be surprised. We took a Panigale off road. That's right. And with knobbies on it, it does okay. Most motorcycles with a little with the right tire will do okay. And I think it'll be the same with this. Can you talk a little shit about that bike? A little more shit. Which one? The the, the, the Scrambler. The Desert bike. Yeah. You were so excited when we started. I know I was, but I just remembered something. <laughs> You're going to a dark place. I am a little bit. It looks like. Like a lot bit like that Walt Siegel adventure bike. I think they're looking at what what Walt Siegel did with his with his Ladventura or whatever it's called Laventura, hmm. and what um, Alex Earl is doing with his kind of off roady desert sled. Yeah, and you know looking at because because he's he's in the Ducati design group, so you know there's there's transfer of information that there's people. Oh, I'm talking sure. I'm sure there's percolating. meeting of the minds, but they need to also copy Walt Siegel's weight saving. Because that Walt Siegel bike weighs like 380 pounds. It's tough, though. Like, I think <clears> there <throat> is a, a difficulty as a manufacturer to balance durability and weight. Like, those things are definitely hand in hand. Oh, yeah. And it's like, how many warranties do you want to deal with? <laughs> you know? Um, but your reaction to the Desert X is the same reaction I have to the Motard, where it's like, hey, that's cool. That's right. It's a cool idea. It's kind of an air-cooled hyper-Motard again. How much is it going to weigh? Yeah. Hmm. Like... Like 150 pounds too much. Stop trying to make classic styling just for the fucking sake of making classic styling. Like it's heavier. Like I like and the it's idea. Less power. I like the idea. I want them to do it, but I don't know if I want to buy it. And maybe that's maybe that's the thing. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's why you don't listen to customers all the time or listen to journalists. Right. What do we know? What are we just know? writing every just day? Fucking build them all. Build all the bikes. Build all the things. Someone build all of them. <laughs> just keep building them. Kawasaki. Oh, so so before the Ducati event, we had the Tokyo Motor Show. And we saw two things from Kawasaki that I want to talk about. Two pretty about. exciting things. Interesting things. So we, we saw the ZH2. We already talked about it. Supercharged, Street Fighter, naked bike. With a really, I don't understand the front end. Not even a little. You know, Kawasaki's got this like look that my readers often describe as insectoid-like. Yeah, but and like I the really, H2 and the H2R look kind of cool with that weird headlight that's kind of recessed. And it looks like it's going to stab you in your sleep probably. This thing just looks like a... Like a, like a, oh, I don't even know what to call it, man. It just looks special. It's, I think at the end of the day, they, they, they priced it at 17000 which I think is a pretty good price point. That is a very good price for a supercharged fire breather. Yeah. And I think that came about that because they're not trying to make it uh, as crazy as the H2. And I think they're trying to find a way to like differentiate. And they're like, oh, make it look less aggressive. Make it look, you know, more, you know, normal or I don't know if normal is the right word, but <clears throat> like you wouldn't like cut yourself if you touched it like child safe. But I guess. Do you like it? I, I don't like dislike it. it. I, you know, much like the, the Street Fighter, I like it except for the headlight unit. I think mm -hmm. that's what's giving me a hard time. It's too rounded. It's too, like, I don't know what it's trying to be. It's kind of like an old Z1000 slash new something or another. Well, it is replacing the Z1000. 
Yeah, but I wish they'd replace the headlight too. Okay, enough shit talk about the bike. I think it's really cool. I, I love the trellis frame. I'm I'm glad somebody's doing a trellis frame. Um, it's cool that that's Kawasaki doing it. It looks like it's gonna have a lot of good electronics on it. And bang for the buck, it's I I think you're gonna be hard pressed to find something that that can touch this thing. I think they got the price right for sure. Yeah, for sure. It's heavy, five hundred twenty-seven pounds. There's something about these supercharged motors that are just silly heavy. Horsepower is not light, man. It's curious to me. They like the brakes are, uh, um, two hundred ninety millimeter front discs. Hmm. It's really small. Yeah, it seems really strange to me. Like, there's maybe not really like a cost savings there. It's like, why did you pick that? Maybe they're trying to be kind of like a that Yamaha V Max, where they just put a gnarly big motor in there, and they were like, all right, we're gonna put like okay suspension and okay brakes on there good luck best of luck to you <laughs> i don't know it's an interesting one it's uh you don't know I, I, i'm not gonna buy one like like it's it's a no-go for me like if i'm gonna get a supercharged bike i'm gonna get an h2 and yeah. just just do the thing all the way that's the thing but the they've h- raised the price on the h2 since it came out it came out originally as a twenty thousand dollar bike what is it now now it's 25 what did they add to it nothing it's a price well, no. Well, I think the now it's got like an IMU of sorts on it. Price. Yeah. All right. <laughs> but it looks way better than this. It looks way better. But I think I think at the end of the day, like, and the H two is only a half fairing bike. If you look at it, it's not a full full is, fairing bike. Like a, yeah, that's practically this is the H two is practically naked in my mind. Right. It's as naked as a Street Fighter V four is, or a Tuono. Dang, but twenty five grand. But here I am saying I'm totally gonna buy a V4S. Yeah, which is I mean, come on, <laughs> settle down with your nonsense. Priorities, damn it. <laughs> I, don't know. I like that this bike exists. I don't know if I'm the target for it. I probably am though. It just doesn't do anything for I me. I think the target for this bike is the joke I was making earlier. The person who's approaching, if not passing, forty, who has been riding sport bikes, who wants to have upright, but also the ability to embarrass somebody when they click it down a couple of gears. Um. Like this bike will do really well in the street, straight, uh, straight streets of Florida. You know, you know, you're gonna take that thing into like a a tuning shop, or whatever, and for like 200 bucks, they're gonna find another 50 horsepower. Easy, yeah. easily. I mean, I'm looking at this water cooler of an exhaust on its right side, or water heater. It just it's so huge. It looks like something from like the what's the Japanese animation, the Gangnam. I'm really bad at Japanese animation. Uh, you're not nearly wide enough for that. No, <laughs> Gundam, Gundam. Yeah, you're you're the right skin color. Yeah, what is this? What's it there called? He goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gundam, Gundam. Yeah, Gundam. It, it kind of has them. like I don't know why that like exhaust screams that to me, but it does. That exhaust first thing to go because it's just so fucking it. big. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. It's like uh, that exhaust and that air brake of a of a DOT approved license plate bracket. That's gonna go. <laughs> um but that was designed because they knew go. they knew that was gonna go yeah come on i Let's, know manufacturers put that on there like we don't want it on we here either no we know gonna, that's why i was surprised when bmw with the new s 1000 r did the whole like integrated turn signal and blah blah they did there. a really good job of that they did a really good job i'm like look it's the first time i've seen somebody do it where i'm like i probably won't remove that yeah it does Give the job it. that I, I, that is actually something we talked about at the press launch we're like damn right you guys did a good job of that look at that bmw other companies wake up <laughs> um it's the sad part that's the best part about that bike i was gonna say that <laughs> other companies don't wake up too much to this bike because it's got some things that need to be changed and there was just a recall announced for them too so 
oil leaks. Ugh. Which isn't I mean, I so unlike BMW to have oil leaks. But you know what? Credit to BMW. They take care of their customers they do. on recalls. They do. You're going to bring your bike in. They're going to give you like a loaner. If it's like a, if the recall gets out of control, they'll be like, here's $1,500 in parts. <laughs> you know, they, they take care of their people on recalls. Like that's why BMW owners keep buying BMWs because they know BMW Motorrad is going to stand behind The Kool Aid tastes good. And if the Kool Aid doesn't have enough sugar in it, they'll pour some sugar in it for yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. They're full service. The Italians are like, what do you mean more sugar? This is the perfect. This is the perfect way. This is the perfect amount You'll of sugar. Exactly. In fact, what it needs is a Parmigiano Romano. Yeah. No, it's Kool Aid. Stop putting cheese in it. <laughs> I'll put cheese in anything, won't they? <laughs> Little fuckers. Uh, I don't really want to talk about the ZH2 anymore. I want to talk about the ZX yeah. 25R. I am so excited about that little bike. Isn't I wish I wasn't 240 pounds. I have it on a pretty good authority. We will not be getting that bike in America. And I'm not really sure we're going to get it in Europe either. Is it a is it an emissions issue? I have no idea what it Four is. Four tiny pistons going to work every day? There's So I just saw a thing today that kawasaki published saying that there is no official pricing yet and there's lots of talk in europe about pricing or sorry and in, in southeast asia about pricing because an indian an indonesian person publication was talking about it and they were like whoa they, like the fact that they had to come out with like a statement about it was interesting <laughs> so if you believe the rumors coming out of uh japan and indonesia and southeast asia this bike's gonna cost like nine thousand ninety five hundred dollars if you do the currency conversion which is lots of moolahs which is lots of moolahs and so let's just assume for a second that's true you can't bring it here no the ninja 400 is still a better bike yeah makes more power with for lots less money for a lot less money what do you think was the point of that bike i think the point of that bike i think that bike is going to be uh, Southeast Asia, Japan. Well, I mean, it came out the Japan show, right? So, pretty stands well to reason it'd come, it'd be in Japan. But I think that is an Asian market bike. I think that is a bike where cylinder displacement still plays a huge role in not only licensing but also cost of ownership and insurance. Yeah, because that's the only way it makes sense. Where like, because I see that bike as being equal with a ninja 400 in terms of price or in terms of performance and more or less price mm -hmm. but what changes because like in the u.s like no one cares like my insurance for a 250 is gonna be the same for like a 400 yeah they just go basically they, displacement size they don't really care it's not it's under 500 <clears throat> they don't right care. uh in europe there's some stuff with like a1 versus a2 licensing versus full licensing like uh, okay but there's nothing about a 250 that spools up to 2000 RPMs that's getting you out of that, that has an advantage. But where it does change things is if the cost of owning a 400cc motorcycle is substantially different from the cost of owning a 250cc motorcycle. Right. And that's, that's Asia, that's Japan, that's Indonesia, that's Malaysia, that's Thailand, that's all these places. Like they're just not going to buy 400s. Right. And that's part of the problem of what has happened in the small displacement space. This used to be a 250cc category. And then Kawasaki came along and became the Ninja 300 and blew everyone out of the water. So then Honda comes out with the CBR 300. Right. And KTM comes out with the RC 390. And Suzuki, well, Suzuki's 
fucking lost in the woods. They're not doing anything. still trying to figure out which way to get out of that maze. Right. But everyone's (laughs) like, fuck it. The game changed from 250 to 300. We got to get on it. And then once everyone finally caught up, Kawasaki was like, hold my beer. Boom. Ninja 400. I know, but better in every single way. Displacement motorcycle stopped being like a small displacement motorcycle. But that's the thing. We totally feature creeped from 250 to 400. And I think Kawasaki's sitting there going, like, ah, ah, I know what to do. I know what to do. Here's our 250. Right. Here's the new 250. Just, it's brilliant for that market. I think I, I think that's that's it to a T. Like it's really disappointing because I would love to see this bike come to the US. It'd be a cool like race spec bike out here. For no like, one's gonna buy it for 10 G's though. Come no, on. No, absolutely. Who's spending ten thousand dollars on a 250 cc bike? I mean, unless it's a full on race bike, it will be immediately banned. Like I, I already have seen the conversations for for Omra. They're like, if this bike comes to America, it's gonna be banned. <laughs> like we can't because it, because it's. It's like twice the horsepower of everything else in the class. I mean, come on. Like, of course, it has traction control. It has a quick shifter. Like, it's silly. It's, it has to be banned unless you're going to make that class just this bike. Right. It's right up there with the Aprilia RS660. You know it's going to be banned in Moto yeah. America because it's going to blow everyone out of the water. It's just too disruptive, which is a shame because then that means we're going to have, like, the same shitty. You know, I just realized what would have impressed you if the about the V2 Panigale if it was done. If they had taken a V4 motor and just lopped the rear cylinders off or the front ones. Yeah. It was a parallel twin. Yeah. Just like they did with the Aprilia. Yeah. You would have been like, ask Claudio the exact same question because he and I had this whole conversation about the same thing. Ducati's not known for parallel motors, Jensen. Listen, motherfucker. (laughs) Look at that thing. That's how you get slapped in the face by Claudio. He He does not. He does not. (laughs) I don't think Claudio likes me. (laughs) (laughs) I guarantee you. I guarantee you. We're going to get that interview. He's going to sit down and say, fuck this guy uh, that's him again i knew there was an american one but <laughs> i don't the other one the other ones are funnier than him this guy just is mean this he says things i don't just... want to hear i don't like his suggestions him yeah, all the time with the with the i always ask him about supermoto where's my supermoto <laughs> always with the supermoto um yeah i'll be curious to see we, we have no horsepower information we have no weight information we have no pricing information on this kawasaki Ninja ZX25R, and that will that will dictate a lot. Yeah, be very interesting to see where that shakes out. But I'm telling you, listeners, be prepared to be disappointed. Unless you're going to Bali, <laughs> be pre- prepared to be disappointed. Don't go through China. Don't do it. Or do and fly tell through, us what your experience. Fly is through like. Hong Kong. <laughs> I hear the Beijing airport has a bitchin. Um, uh, lounge area. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> With awesome karaoke bars. And there's no food. That's the other thing. There's like, there's no food. There's like a, um, like a pantry. You know how point that is for an American to show up to a, a Chinese airport and expecting Chinese food the way they think Chinese food is supposed to be. They're like, I mean, I didn't have that expression. I just would have liked a meal. But the only, the only <laughs> thing, the only thing they have in that terminal. But that old man would like have given the, you like, at least a cracker it off if you were nice it's to like, Literally Pringles chips. <laughs> Uh, sodas, weird smoothies. Ooh. And uh, what was the other thing they had? Oh, like the shittiest looking sandwiches you've ever seen. Listen, if you're hungry enough. No one's that hungry. All sandwiches are at no, no one's that hungry, Shane. <laughs> <laughs> I did not have any. <laughs> I'm a hungry man. I did not have any. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and not eat today. I'm fasting, apparently. I did. Intermittent fasting. Wasn't that way it? <laughs> Come Chinese me, fasting, they call yeah. them <laughs> Beijing, the Beijing fast, the, the Beijing diet. <laughs> You're just hungry, just hungry at the airport, hungry and oppressed. <laughs> Can somebody give me a burger? 
Uh, it was funny. No, my girlfriend went through Hong Kong and they're having all the protests. Oh, yeah. It's craziness. It was okay for her, but like, you know, they, they've been going to the airport to protest. Um, crazy that's, times. Crazy times. China, crazy. That's where your news goes international because the airport, everyone's taking pictures of their phones. Yeah. They're going to different countries and you might not have the broadband that you're looking for in China, but when you go to your other countries, you're going to have it. Hong Kong has enough autonomy. Like they're, they're a little bit better. It's like I've, I've spent some time in Hong Kong. It's a little bit better, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just crazy. I haven't, I mean, I'm too young to have experienced like Soviet Russia, but I feel like China now is like kind of how that was then. I, I, I dated a girl that was from Soviet Russia and like having those conversations, it sounds very similar and you're just like, as an American, like, and I'm a well-traveled American. We got a good. It's like, it, it was like, whoa, that is, that is different. We are very similar and yet very different. Oh, so different. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but, 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 but we got to get, the show's going a little long. We got to get out of this. There's one last thing I want to talk to you Tell about. Tell me. Have you seen the photos of the new Honda CBR 1000 RR? I mean, as, uh, the, like the, like the leaked uh, spy photo? Yeah. I've seen that, yes. Okay. What do Why? You Tell what, me. what do you think? I. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let me help you out. Let me. Help I haven't you out. seen enough of it to for for to have like a, a worthwhile thought. So I'm actually going to go to it right now and look at it while while okay. you are. Let me know if this changes. Pontificating. It for you. Would you get more excited if the bike was um, four hundred less than four hundred and forty pounds? What? Wow. Would My you get just hit the floor. more excited if it had 215 horsepower? Dang. You got my attention. I'll yeah. never buy one, but you got my attention. Yeah. That's that's what one of my sources is telling me. I'd be even more excited if they stopped calling it CBR 1000 and they called it the Fireblade. Well, yeah, I mean, that's kind of like a missed opportunity with the marketing, isn't it? It's 1998 called and they want me back. So that's are these all the things that we're going to be expecting from the upcoming CBR in line for 1000 double <laughs> double i want to see that in official marketing material <laughs> i want to see some of the press launches roll that r see again right off the truck <laughs> cbr 1000 double they're missing they're missing the market this is why they're not this is why, entirely too conservative this is for that. somebody at honda's like all right uh cancel asphalt and rubber forever <laughs> done we got to stop advertising there oh wait we never have <laughs> Um, hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Fascinating. Uh, how are sales? Um, so, yeah, I, I am very curious about this bike. I have high hopes. We've heard a lot of chatter from the racing team. We, you and I talked about this yes. I think a show or two ago. Um, the spec sheet's looking pretty good. Um, I don't know. I, I was expecting to see this bike already. I was expecting to see this bike at Tokyo. Yes. Yeah, so are they? Is this going to be a 2021 bike? It really makes no. This will be a 2020 bike. I think this bike's going to debut at ICMA, and I, and I actually have to go back and see what I wrote about it because I vaguely remember saying something similar to that. But I definitely believe like this is such a year. First of all, it's being, uh, it's going to be raced out of. It's being built for World Superbike. Okay. The racing department for the Honda World Superbike team is based out of Europe. And there's a lot of talk that HRC will be taking over. Alberto Pooch's little team in Spain will be de- will be dealing with it. Um, so, you know, the European side of things is very much a driving force, as is the American market. 
So it would like Ike and Ike Madebi would make a lot of sense from that perspective. You're laughing. What's going on? Because I just realized that they've changed the name of this bike. I didn't know this, Jensen. Asphalt and rubber, once again, breaking news to me. It is now the CBR 10,000 double R. I would live for me All too. Right. I literally stared, really, at that, I stared at that number for about 10 seconds. really like, hard to never. count zeros. Zeros are weird to me. I feel like that should be someone's license plate. Nobody would be able to pull you over. How many zeros was it? I don't know. Three or ten. I gotta go through the comments and see if anyone saw it. Because if no one else saw it, then Just leave it there. It didn't happen. I feel like that confirms. No, not my... a single comment about how many zeros you got in there. Where is this thing? Oh, it's like oh well, look at that. Yeah, not that a single. Wait, wrong. load more comments. There are more. There's a lot of comments on that story. Dang, you're popular. We broke that story. You break I, a lot of things, mostly hard. I got a little flack. That was sent to me by a spy, and then I guess. The actual source was a Japanese photographer, but I didn't get that shit off Twitter. Nope, uh, not a single comment on that because people were so blown away by this upcoming 10,000 R. It looks interesting. The The frame looks... I mean, this is going to be a brand new bike from top to bottom, I think. It's I don't supposed know. to be. I don't I, think they're using anything that's left over. I don't know, though. It looks like a lot of stuff is new, but I can't say for certain because it looks very similar. It's funny. I can always peg them by their by their swing arms. That is a very Honda swing arm. Yeah. Um, Boy, so if they keep that body, that's that's a handsome bike. The story behind that seems to be that they're at Suzuka testing this back to back with the 2019 model, hmm. and what looks to be like this is probably I would imagine the Suzuka spec race bike or what they're building Whoa. it as the the endurance platform. Um, yeah. it's got a lot of go fast bits that you would only see on a race bike but nothing that's like really really crazy so i will say this about all big cbrs that i've ridden in my years of riding i think they're probably some of the smoothest easiest to ride fast yes sport bikes in the market period full stop which will be interesting to see if that stays true with this bike because if the numbers are true right then wow okay right. you're you're winning the spec sheet game. but yeah but did you go too far yeah I'm curious to see what happens because I remember when the 954 came out and that was kind of edgy for the CBR because they went 900, 929, and then the 954 was like shorter, more powerful, and it was more wheelie prone. And that was probably one of the sharpest ones they ever made. And then when the thousands came out, they were always just this like super friendly leader bikes. So I'm really curious to see what happens with this. I mean, it's going to be a Honda. It's going to be probably over-engineered to hell and back. And you better get used to it. It's probably going to be the same bike for the next 10 years. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's probably true. <laughs> Not a, I mean, it's a Honda. You know, hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it ever. Um, but interesting that Honda is going to be sort of like the horsepower leader in the Japanese uh, leader bike. Right. What is that going to do? Suzuki's never ever. <laughs> Suzuki's going to come out. Suzuki's going to come out and be like, hey, guys, should we make a 250 Suzuki, something? I like I just, I just hope Suzuki has something cool to show Hayabusa, us. Hayabusa, upcoming Hayabusa. Come on, Turbo. I've given up. I've heard so many like really credible Bothan spies talking about Hayabusa and Jixxer 600s and Jixxer 750s, and we we've we've seen them teasing the recursion, and now it's just nothing. Like I talk to my people, and there's nothing. I think those are just people hoping that Suzuki will do something. And it's like, if you just say it enough, maybe they'll be like, oh, yeah, we should probably make th- a new I think the biggest, picture. the big launch at EICMA is going to be a rebadged V-Strom 1000. I have a question for you. 
Do you think Suzuki will be around in ten years? No. Yeah. I Not in motorcycles. Well, they that's do. What they, they do other things. Yeah. In fact, like all the cars we saw in Indonesia, Suzuki's. Yeah, I guess they wrapped that up in America, but yeah, the yeah, but they're still very much a thing over there. Um, What's the actual date of ICMA this year? Uh, that's a good question. The media days are November fifth and sixth. That's when everything will be coming out. But the show goes all the way through the weekend the into that weekend. Yeah. So the fourth through the tenth, it looks like the actual dates. Man, you don't have that long. Another week. Yeah. So we don't have, we don't have too long to wait at all. To, to see what truth comes about i always love it when these shows come up because i'm on asphalt and rubber and it's almost like watching some kind of roster because it's just like bing new story bing oh new story it kills me I, I do about like 20 stories a day yeah on on ICMA i can week. almost not keep up with you during icma that's all i do <laughs> I, I literally stay awake for like 40 hours tell me jensen is there going to be anything extra special for the pro members there will be hmm We'll be, we'll be doing some analysis pieces we'll probably have some galleries i've got a couple of interviews lined up um, so we got some good good content for the ANR Pro. I just saw that your ANR Pro membership lapsed, sir. Oh, it did? Yeah. Yeah. I just signed up on it uh, last, yesterday, I think. Did I you? signed in, but it let me sign in. Ooh. Ooh. Well, let me go Ooh. pay my $50. Ooh, 40 Oh, I always tell people it's 50 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> are you are you skimming 10 bucks off I the mean, top? you know, daddy got to make a little, a little extra daddy here and there. Daddy gets a taste. Daddy gets a taste. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so we'll have a lot. Uh, it'll be a busy, busy week on ANR for the next few weeks. I'll be in Europe. You and I are gonna have to figure out something on how we're gonna record the show. I'm gonna miss you. And then we're gonna come back and do a very, very cold, cold wing show. We can do um, um, I don't know, like a WhatsApp or something. Yeah, that's probably actually how we'll do it. We'll yeah. have to figure out how to get you on a recorder. I already have my recording equipment. Nice. It'll be a thing. But we'll we'll try and keep this weekly. I think we can do it. I think we do it. I've got enough downtime. Uh, after Eichma and when I get back, like that should work out. Nice. If it works out for you, it'll work out for me. We'll make it work. Okay. I'm flexible. I'm not. I've been trying to do yoga and one of the things that Oh yeah, I'm not, I, I can touch people, my toes. Oh, really? I can't touch can't, my toes. Really? Look. No. No, can't do oh my God, you're a freak. <laughs> I can't that way. I just took my pants off and touched I would, my toes for I those who couldn't see it. Break something if I did that. <laughs> it's fun. I I go into the yoga class and people come up to me and they're like really glad you're doing this you're really like you know that's why you tell a terminal patient into at it. a hospital they're like because i didn't think i was that good at yoga but when i see you do it <laughs> i feel so much better and i'm just like cool just remember that's how you sound to a group c writer who's really really down in their luck <laughs> at the track there you're like i'm glad you're out here you're giving it all you got i need you to get off the track for a little while because you're scaring you're, everybody else. you're gonna probably kill someone so you're just maybe have lunch now. I know it's only ten o'clock, but you should have lunch now. Can you stop trying to to stretch? Because we're just worried you're gonna have to we're like. Just, we're concerned you're gonna get into a pretzel. Turn one is a right, and somehow you keep going left. Let's talk about that. I'm really glad you're here, though. <laughs> uh, all right, sir. It was good talking to you. Good it was to be good back. Good talking to you too, buddy. The, uh, I'm gonna miss you. I'm gonna miss you too. You know, while you're out there, just remember to keep things uh, safety third. I will. I will definitely uh, safety third it up there. Nice. Pay my. Thanks for our drinks, Gary. Yeah, thanks for the thanks for the Mountain Dew, sir. Thanks for being our live audience. We have never had a live We've audience never had before. A live audience, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get yeah. an applause. See. Yeah. All right. I mean, Coda Kitty doesn't. Uh, you do count Coda. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to piss you oh, off. She's I'm so look. scared she's of her. Look. All right. Okay, go. All right. Go talk to you out <laughs> there. Bye. 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 <laughs>
And then I realized that when I was a kid and I first moved to America, I, I was watching those Saturday morning cartoons, one of which was Darkwing Duck. And one episode of Darkwing Duck. Darkwing Duck, wow. Yeah, right? <laughs> Let's get dangerous. Um, <laughs> take you back to 1993. Um, but anyways, so on Darkwing Duck, there was one episode, and for some reason, it, it I think about that episode at least once a week, probably twice a week. And then I realized that, and I said it to Anne, and the reason I think about it is because in that episode, everything was backwards. So cars had asphalt tires, or asphalt wheels, and the ground was made out of rubber. Huh. And I said that to Anne. She goes, have you ever told Jensen that? And I was like, no, why would I? Oh, asphalt and rubber. I get it. No, I never have uh-huh. told him. 